So if you have a Bible, we are going to Exodus chapter 15, starting from verse 22 to 26. We're going to read a few verses from there, and then we're going to pray and allow God to speak to our hearts. Awesome. This is what it says in Exodus 15 verse 22 onwards. It says, Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, Uh, And give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you in advance for what you're about to do this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your power. Thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are able to reject, withstand, and remove from our midst anything that opposes your perfect will and plan from manifesting this morning. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. I thank you that when your word is spoken, there are creative miracles in the house today. There are things that have restricted us that will break off today. We will fall a little bit deeper in love with Jesus today. I thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today from a topic, what on earth am I doing here? What on earth am I doing here? Have you ever asked one of those questions? Like, uh, you're like, man, what, what, what is the point of this season in my life? What on earth am I doing here? Like, what, what just happened? Um, I kept saying that uh, as I was checking on the cricket scores the last couple of days as England are taking on the Aussies and saying, what's going on here? Like, what, what, what is happening? Like, can somebody give me some logic behind what just happened. God came to the nation of Israel and had an amazing promise. And he said, listen, I've got this plan for your life. I'm going to take you out of slavery. You guys are slaves and you are going into a land flowing with milk and honey. And, uh, and that's, that's always good. You know, when like the, 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 the land is flowing with food, that's kind that's kind of the land I want to live in, you know, where everything that's floating around is food. That's a, that's a great place to go to, especially if you've been in slavery. So they're excited. They get out of Egypt. They go out and they, there's the Red Sea and then God parts the sea and this entire nation comes out of the Red Sea. And the Bible says they went into the wilderness and you're like, hold on. That wasn't the promise. The promise wasn't, hey, let's go out of slavery into the wilderness. The promise was, let's go out of slavery into the promised land. But what happens when you set out towards the promised land, but you encounter a wilderness experience? Anybody else? You're thinking, man, I trust God. I love the promise of God. I'm grateful that he's called me to the land flowing with milk and honey. I can't wait. And then you step out and you find yourself in the wilderness. What do you do? When you have in your mind that you're headed towards the promised land, but you open your eyes and look around and it looks like the wilderness, what do you do? You think, man, I love, I'm glad God gave me this job. And some of you have taken a job because you heard God saying this was God's plan for you. You stepped into it and you turn up at work thinking, I'm so glad God brought me here. And you open your eyes and what does it look like? It looks like the wilderness. 
Some of you uh, couldn't wait to get married and then eventually you found a spouse and got married. And today maybe your marriage looks a bit like the wilderness. You're thinking, God, what, what on earth am I doing here? What just happened to my life? Israel find themselves in a place where they set out hoping for the promised land. They open their eyes and find themselves in the wilderness. And the Bible says they kept searching for water because in the wilderness there was no water to drink. They were incredibly thirsty. They had nothing to drink. The Bible says they went around searching one day for water. After 24 hours, there was no water there. After 48 hours, there was no water there. After three days, there was no water there. And logic says that when you don't have water for a whole day out in the Middle Eastern sun, logic says that you're likely to be incredibly thirsty. And when you don't have it for two days, you can be bordering on dehydration, especially if in those days you didn't have modes of transport. And so they're actually covering all of this land on foot, perspiring while all of this is going on. And three days into their journey in the middle of the blazing sun, in the middle of the Middle Eastern desert, they've got no water. And the Bible says they just wandered in the wilderness of Sheol searching for water. And at that moment, they grumbled against Moses and said, what on earth are we doing here? Eventually, they came to a place called Mara and they could see water from a distance. They're like, oh, I think we found water. I don't know who it was. Perhaps the person who was the most thirsty or perhaps the person who was the fastest ran maybe and tried to sample this water. And as soon as it was in her mouth or his mouth, I'm sure they spat it out thinking, what on earth is this? Because the water there was so bitter that they couldn't even drink it. Have you ever had like your hopes high and thinking, oh, we've at least, we've at last, we've found what we've been looking for. And then you taste that which you hope for and you want to spit it out because that which you thought was going to quench your thirst is now actually adding bitterness to the problem that already existed. What do you do when you follow God and you find yourself in a place where not only is the solution not fixing the itch that has been scratching away at you, but now it's causing you to feel like, ah, not only do I have an itch, but now I've got bitter water in my mouth. And they grumbled against Moses and said, what are we doing here? Like, what are we going to drink now? And I want to talk to you today, if you find yourself in a season like that, what God's purpose is when you are going through that. You see, one of the most important things to realize is that in every season, God wants us to know something about Him, His nature. God wants us to know something about ourselves. God wants us to know something about our lives. And, and, and the scary thing is, if we go through a season like that and come to the other side, we cannot shorten that season Because God has allowed it for our own good and because he's a God of love. But if we are stubborn, it is possible that he can, that we can lengthen that season. That we are, we, we don't have shortcuts to some of the plans of God that he has designed in love to get you to a place to love him and to know him and to embrace him. And he does all of it because he's a God of love. There is no evil in him. There is no evil intention in him. He doesn't speak evil. He doesn't think evil. He has no evil in him. He is a good God. And there is nothing but goodness in him. And so we cannot shortcut certain processes that our life goes through. But if we are stubborn or if we are self-centered or if we are not uh, aware enough, there is a possibility that our wilderness experiences can get longer and longer. Not because God is doing it, but our own choices are making it so. 
God doesn't punish us by saying, oh, you're not learning a lesson, so I'm going to make your wilderness season longer. Those are things that we do ourselves. And my desire is that we don't stay in the wilderness a day longer than required. Come on. I don't want to stay in my wilderness a day longer than required. So I'm going to encourage you to just pay attention to the wisdom of God that I'm going to share today to make sure that your wilderness finishes when it's meant to finish. But before even we go into that, isn't it good news to know that your wilderness has an expiry date? Isn't it good to know that this season, the seasons of oh, just wondering what on earth am I doing here, hasn't come to stay, it has come to pass. And sometimes when we enter those seasons and we just stay there for a long time, the devil will begin to whisper to our mind to say, this is what your life is going to look like for the rest of your life. I have come to dismantle that lie in your head this morning. The plans that God has for you is good and he has plans to prosper you and to bless you and your current wilderness is not the end of your life and it's not going to stay there forever. One of these days something is about to happen in your life and it will change around. Come on, so why don't we just give God a praise in advance for all that he is about to do in our lives. This wilderness has not come to stay. This wilderness has come to pass. So when we are in that moment, what is it that God is trying to get our attention to? Here is number one. When we get to those places, the first thing that he is trying to do, he is trying to reveal to us the conditions of our own heart. The conditions of our own heart. The Bible says the people began to grumble. I've got another verse, just what happened. Maybe I want to say uh, 24 hours, maybe 72 hours ahead of, uh, ahead of the story that we've just read. It's found in Exodus 14, I think. I've got the reference. This is what it says. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, chapter 14, verse 8. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The New Living Translation says this, the same verse 14. Uh, the Lord had in the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Think about that picture. They're like, we're out of here. 430 years of slavery. We are done. God has rescued us. God has saved us. I mean, when you told them to praise, their praise was loud. Miriam's took a tambourine and started dancing. Nobody had to encourage them to praise and worship. Everybody just joined Miriam and say, wait for me. I want to praise the Lord too. Their fists were raised in defiance because they had seen a God that could rescue them. 72 hours later, they're going, what on earth are we doing here? Like, what just happened? Where's water to drink? You know? And that looks like me sometimes, you know? We, we have those moments in our lives, don't you? You come to church on a Sunday and yeah, you see them and they're jumping up and down and they're like, God is good and he's going to brew a breakthrough in my life. He made sure Pharaoh drowned in the sea and life is good. You'll be amazed at the miracles that God has brought into my life this season. It has blown my mind. And a few years later or a few months later or a few weeks later, you look at the same people and say, what happened to the spring in your step? What happened to the smile on your face? What happened to the shout of your praise what happened to the hands lifted up fists raised in defiance saying look at our God because all of a sudden now your praise is gone and your hallelujah is gone and your thank you Jesus is gone and your smile is gone and the spring in your step is gone because you have concluded that your praise is dependent on your circumstance because you are concluding that whether God is with you or not with you is 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 is, 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 is can be proven by whether God has given you plenty or not can I 
encourage you, the plentiness in your life, the ease in your life, the, the, the comfort in your life, when everything is rosy and everything is going well, that is not necessarily a sign that God is with you. Of course, that is something that God desires for all of our children. But I want you to know, God was still God when you were broke. God was still God when you were still crying. God was still God when you were sick. God was still God when you had no clue. God was still God whenever anything else was not happening. He was still God. And He is proving to your heart, hey, you see how you look at me? You think I'm a good God when I come and defeat Pharaoh for you. But now that you have, don't, don't have water to drink, you're like, oh, I'm grumbling and complaining. Every bit of grumbling and complaining in your heart is a symptom. It's not the problem. It's a symptom that deep down in your heart, you don't believe that God is good to you. I want to say to you that God is not just good, but he is going to be good to you. And your complaining and grumbling is a sign that you don't believe somehow deep inside. There is the sin of unbelief where you have believed that God really is not good, that somehow he's going to come and hit you and crumble you and punish you for all the mistakes you made from a previous season in your life. I want you to know that love does not keep a record of wrongdoing. There is not a record in God's picture or in his books or in his presence where he's writing down every sin, every fault, everything that you have done to say one of these days, I'm going to come back and pay you back for all that you have done. Our God is a God of love and because he's a God of love, 2000 thousand odd years ago he sent his son to die a cruel death on the cross and he bled from his hands his feet his side his back his head and he bled from his skin in the garden of Gethsemane and because of that precious blood of Jesus Christ all of our sins from the east to the west the Bible says has been removed once and for all and because of his resurrection the record that stood against us has been nailed to the cross your trouble is not a sign that God has left you or that he is not good to you it's a sign that is showing your heart that you don't truly believe that God is good to you. But today the devil is in trouble because every spirit of unbelief, every sin of unbelief in your life, every symptom in your heart to grumble and complain instead of praising and raising your fists in defiance anyway is going to go. Beacon Church, we're going to model to the devil that we believe that God is good in the good times and God is good in the tough times. God is good when we can laugh and God is good when tears have been rolling down our cheeks. We need to revive to be aware that when we come to seasons, when we ask the questions, what on earth am I doing here? The first thing it does, it reveals the conditions of our heart. And one of the things God wants for us is not for us to live in a place where we're happy just when everything is going well. And that's okay because when you live like that and when things are not going well and you throw a tantrum, we call that a tantrum and that's okay because... Kids are prone to tantrums. I have two under the age of seven, so I know what's like when, you know, you don't get your favorite flavor ice cream or you've just built a bit of Lego and that crumbled and that's okay. In fact, when they're like two or three, it's even cute. But it's not cute if you're 30, you know. It's not cute anymore. It's not cute because... Like some of you need a reality check. You were three years old a long time ago. You're not still three. And sometimes when you don't find water to drink, 
Your fists should still be raised in defiance to say, my God didn't bring me this far to leave me. He is good. I don't understand this season, but I'm going to praise my way through it. Come on. If you want to combat the sin of unbelief, give God a shout of praise through your pain and defiance with fists raised in defiance. Say, my God will bring me through this. That God will bring me through this. The first thing it reveals is it reveals the conditions of your heart. The second thing it reveals is that when you, are, when, you, when you reach a season thinking, what on earth am I doing here? The second thing it does, it heals what needs to be healed. One of the things the Bible says happens in the story is that the bitter water was healed and it became sweet. You'll be amazed at how God uses trouble to heal you from your past. You'll be amazed at how trouble can cause you to release forgiveness quickly to the person that you've been harboring unforgiveness towards. And you're thinking, man, I'm never going to forgive them. I'm never going to reach out to them. I'm never going to do this. Isn't it amazing that God can use even the difficult situations in your life to work healing in areas that you think you did not know healing. You did not know healing or you didn't even know that you needed healing. I don't know who this word is for, but some of you are going through a Mara experience thinking, what on earth am I drinking? What on earth am I going to do? It's been three days and I haven't found anything. But God has been healing the wounds of the people that rejected you, healing the wounds of the people that let you go, healing the wounds of the people that didn't raise you right, healing the wounds of the people that didn't believe in you, healing the wounds of your own mistakes and you're finding it hard to forgive your own self. God is doing a healing work in your life in this season. And if you will trust him, he will find out that you will come through the other side of this wilderness more whole and healed not just having water to drink but more whole and healed and you realize do you know that areas in your life there are parts of your heart there are parts of your mind and your understanding that need a touch from God that need God to heal and you've been trying to cover it up all along God has been inviting you to say come on I want to heal that which is you're trying to cover I'm gonna I want to heal that which you are struggling with I want to heal that which you will not show to anybody because you're just trying to to keep it to yourself and you have have this uh, this this impression that everybody has about you that you're okay but there are things that you would rather not talk about because they're painful but as you're going through it God is healing the things that you thought would never get healed you see a place does not get its identity just because it's got bitter water for one day in fact this entire city or this entire place was called Mara because the water there is bitter the word Mara means bitter some of you have been bitter or have lacked healing in your inner self for such a long time that that bitterness has eventually become your own identity because that's how long it's existed. But I want to promise you the goodness of God is working more behind the scenes than you realize. And there are things in your heart that he is healing. There are things from your past that is healing. There are disappointments he's healing. There are rejections that he is healing. And you may not see it. You may not know it. You may not sense it. You may not even articulate it. But I want you to know God can be trusted. And as you are waiting, wondering where the water is going to coming from in the meantime he is healing the things that will never be healed otherwise not only is the bitterness of the water taken away the bible says that the bitter water became sweet water is supposed to be tasteless it's supposed to be neutral it's supposed to be colorless orderless and tasteless but not only did the bitter water release its bitterness but the bitter water became sweet while you are going through what you're going through everything that is bitter in your life is about to become sweet in the name of jesus and you will come through the other side thinking 
thinking, man, where did all this sweetness come from me? Have you seen people who have gone through pain? They've either come through the other side bitter or some of the people that have gone through pain and tragedy because they have cooperated with the Holy Spirit and they've allowed the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in their heart. When you come through the other side, they are some of the sweetest people you've ever met. Don't mistake that sweetness as something artificial that they're just putting on because they went through some tragedy or some pain. But God did a deep work in their life and that which was bitter became sweet. And when you encounter them, you think, man, these are the sweetest people I've ever met. Don't be mistaken by some of the smiles in the room today. It's not because everything is okay with their life, but they have learned a deep surrender where the Holy Spirit has turned their bitterness into sweetness. Somebody who's got a bit of sweet water in them, praise the Lord right now because you know that is you and God did that work in your life. He does that because he wants that which is bitter to become sweet. Number three, the third thing that happens in seasons where you think, what on earth is going on with my life? He causes that which was not used to its fullest potential to be used. Let me give you an illustration. Just pass me that water bottle there. Thank you. The Bible says, as Moses was crying, God showed Moses a piece of wood. That piece of wood was lying there all along, having no purpose. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, Moses took that piece of wood, the Bible says he threw it into the river Mara, or the, or the, or the, or the water body there called Mara. And suddenly, that which was bitter became sweet. Do you know that in this season of your life, where you're wondering, what on earth am I doing here? What on earth is going on in my life? Do you realize that God is mobilizing things that are dormant in your life that has not been used till today? And he's suddenly activating potential of things. So you think, man, what's that piece of wood? Moses didn't know that piece of wood had healing property. Moses did not know that that piece of wood had purpose. Moses had no idea that that piece of wood was going to be used in the plans of God. And do you know there are things in your life that you don't even think is significant? When you look at it, it, all it is is a twig. All it is is a piece of wood. But there is hidden in you potential that is currently not being used. And while you are waiting for your next drink, and all you can focus is on your thirst and your hunger, there are things about your life that are being activated right now. There are potentials in your life. There's potential in your life callings in your life, purpose in your life, gifts in your life, talents in your life, revelations in your life that are coming to the surface and that which was just lying around all of a sudden is going to catch purpose. That's why some people that have come through seasons like this, when they come to the other end of the wilderness, you look at them walking walking and acting in the purposes of God and think, hey, who taught you that? Which school taught you that? Which Bible college taught you that? How did you learn how to lead a business like that? How did you learn how to be a father and a mother like that? That's an amazing way to be a husband. Who taught you that? Which book did you read? It's not that they went to some school and got a degree that coached them to be that way. Some of us have just learned to know that in the middle of all of the trouble in our life, God is good and He's up to something in your life. And by the time you come through the other side, you will activate some of the hidden things in your life to activate it to its fullest potential. I don't know about you, but you are about to surprise yourself. You are about to surprise yourself. You're about to look at the mirror and say, I did not know I could do that. I didn't know I could pray like that. I didn't know I could read the Bible and receive a revelation from God like that. I didn't know I could go on a two-day fast. I didn't know I could forgive my enemies so quickly. I had no idea that I had entrepreneurship in me. I had no idea that it was God's plan to prosper me and make me wealthy so I have enough money not just to bless my family, 
but to give it away. You will look at the mirror and say, who are you? I like this version of you. And you know what that's going to do? You know what that's going to do? You're going to be able to look back and say, God, this is not how I was before my wilderness. But I'm so glad I had to go through a few days without drinking water because I now realize you were not trying to harm me. You were only trying to bless me. Everybody that thinks you're going to walk into a level of purpose you have not yet walked in before. Give God a shout of praise, Beacon Church, right now. Our church is to walk in the purposes of God that we have never walked in before. Number four. When you go through seasons like this, am I on number four? Number four. The Bible says, Moses heard the word of God. He heard God say, hey, there's a piece of stick. If you look at that bit of the Bible very carefully, you will see that God never tells Moses to throw the piece of stick in the water. If you read that in Exodus chapter 15, the Bible says God just showed him where the piece of wood was lying. God never gave him an instruction. He just opened his eyes to see something that he'd probably seen but never really took notice of. The Bible says he took it and threw it in the water. See, one of the things that God does in seasons like this, it just helps you to tune into a voice a bit more because you're now all of a sudden interested in drowning out all the other noises and you want to listen to his voice. Because you see, excitement can only lead you so far. But the Bible says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And sometimes in the excitement of leaving Egypt, you are pumped that God is with you. But there's so much noise. There's so much noise. And sometimes it's good noise. Sometimes it's television. Sometimes it's the news. Sometimes it's your favorite football team. Sometimes it's your family. Sometimes it's all the things that are just filling our life with noise. Social media is noise and television is noise and and your WhatsApp messages are noise and, and your work is noise and the emails are noise and the deadline is noise and all of that is noise and all of that is not going to go away. But sometimes when you go through seasons like this, in the middle of all of the noise, you've lost the most precious thing you had in the first place, the voice of God, his word, the ability to hear him. As I was praying and preparing for this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and show me a picture of many people discovering or rediscovering the voice of the Lord for the first time in a fresh way. Because if you can come through the wilderness and that's the one thing you have gained, I want to encourage you, you have gained more than the whole world. The word of God is more precious than any precious commodity you currently own. It's more than any precious commodity you currently own. The word of God. You see, the Bible says the people were grumbling against Moses. Can you imagine a man being in the middle of, I don't know, historians say it could be 100,000, some say it could be 500,000. All we know that this was not a small number. It was a large enough number that the Bible calls this group of people a nation. Can you imagine when an entire nation starts grumbling against you? What are we going to do now? 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 There's no water for us to drink. Why did you bring us here? There's so much noise. Sometimes we need to just tune out and say, God, what are you saying? I love your voice. I love your voice. 
And whether we like it or not, and I don't know how we arrived here, but I feel we live in a community and a world where we're like that because we've got hundreds of news channels, hundreds of social media accounts, and there's just noise. But in the middle of that, we want to be able to hear God say, hey, have you noticed that piece of stick? It's not that's not breathtaking, is it? That's not groundbreaking. That's not like, wow, you mean to tell me that's your word for me? That's why we miss it. Because we're hoping for thunder and lightning. We're hoping for this incredible move of God where all of a sudden, all of the, the, the rafters in this roof is going to come off and, and two angels are going to descend and they're going to have a scroll that looks like gold and give you a word and you think, yeah, do you see what happened to me today? God spoke to me today. Hey, some of the words that God speaks to you might be as soft and as insignificant, quote-unquote, as, have you noticed that piece of stick? And because you're waiting for the spectacular, you're missing the divine. And the divine often doesn't look spectacular. The divine is often just a whisper from God. Can we become a church where we will value the word of God more than anything? I'll tell you, it'll do a lot of good for your stress levels. Let me promise you that. I don't know, I'm not a medic and I'm not working in the medical field, but there are lots and lots of studies that are continuing to suggest that almost 80% of all modern illnesses can be attributed in one way, attributed in one way or the other to just stress. You're stressed about what's going on in your life. But I want to tell you the Word of God brings peace and the Word of God brings a comfort that nothing else can bring. Number five. While you're going through what you're going through, God, the Bible says, he tested them. And he said, if you will obey me, if you will keep my commandments, if you will listen to everything that I say, that won't you promise you that sickness will not come upon you because I am the Lord that heals you. One of the things... I am told when you start a race is that you shouldn't get distracted and you should keep your eye on the finish line. And you're walking or you're running towards the finish line. And you think God would have told them, hey, Focus on the promised land. 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 Land flowing with milk. Land flowing with honey. Houses you did not build. Vineyards you did not dig. No, that wasn't God's instruction. The one thing he wanted them to do, he said, I want you to focus on this. Focus on obeying me. Focus on obeying me. Focus on listening to my word and my voice and do the instructions that I told you to do. You see, sometimes when we step out into the call of God, say, for instance, in my life, God called me and said, hey, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to lead a church. And we think that's the goal. Think, oh, yeah, God's going to call me. No, 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 no. What if the finish line is for you to obey what God called you to do? What if the finish line is not, oh, I can't believe it, God has rescued me from Egypt. One of these days, I'm going to stand up and give a testimony because I'm going to go to the promised land. God comes to them in Mara and says, here's a test. Can you focus on obedience? 
Can you focus on listening to my word and following? Can you focus on you doing what I've told you to do, whether you feel like it or not? So that you're not obeying when it feels good and disobeying when it doesn't feel good. You're obeying when it feels convenient and disobeying when... See, one of the things Mara seasons do to you, they refocus your attention from the promised land to surrender. Because if you focus on surrender, it'll get you to the promised land anyway. But sometimes we're so enamored with the promised land that when the promised land doesn't show up and it looks a bit like Mara, you're like, oh, don't know why God led me here. What am I going to do here? And some of you are in this room today and the reason your fists are not raised in defiance anymore is because you set out with the dream of a promised land and he has led you to a wilderness experience and you're wondering, oh, not as glamorous as I thought. I thought tomorrow we'd be in a land flowing with milk and honey. What am I doing driving around in the wilderness of shore looking for water? That's not what God has promised me. And God comes to the nation of Israel and says, listen, this was a test. And the test is this. Can you obey me? Can you listen to my word? Can you listen to my voice? Can you focus on my instruction? Can I encourage some of you who are very good like myself sometimes, at manipulating God. Because we can drown out that voice and say, um, it's okay, um, it's okay, it's okay. I'm just going to promise, I'm just, I'm just going to the promised land. I'm just going to promise land. I'm just going to promise land. What's the last thing he told you? Well, he told me about some sort of stick that was lying there. So what have you done about it? Oh, no, it's fine. I'm going to the promised land. I'm going to the promised land. I'm going to the promised land. And some of us are going to die on the way, not because God isn't good but because we're so obsessed with his blessing that we have forgotten that the most important thing is his word. Surrendering our hearts to the obedience of what he has told you to do. And today some of you need to repent and bow your knee to say, God, I am so sorry for being so obsessed with the promised land that I have just neglected the wonder of your word. The wonder of your word. Hey, what's your purpose? It's to go to the promised land. Amazing. What's God been speaking to you lately? Well, he's been talking to me about a stick. You know, yeah, that can wait. No, my friend, that can't wait. That can't wait. That, that, is, that, is, that is the goal. Intimacy with God is the goal. Obedience to him is the goal. As we do that all along, you will reach the promised land anyway. God is faithful to his word. And even if we are faithless, he will continue to remain faithful. And we will experience all of the promises of God. But in the middle of the picture of God promising us with a land flowing with milk and honey, he interjects that season, stands right in the middle of the season where you are not where you used to be, but you haven't arrived where you're supposed to be. And in the middle, he comes with an interrupted message, a message of interruption. And his message to you is this. Will you obey me? Will you surrender to me? Will you trust me? Will you yield your heart to me? 
Will you yield your priorities to my priorities? Will you yield your agenda to my agenda? Will you surrender your heart so that I can be Lord of your heart? Yes, I'm always the savior of your heart. But Jesus didn't just come for us to be his, for him to, to be our savior. He is our Lord and savior. He's not just our savior who saves us from addiction and saves us from sin and saves us from Egypt. But he also wants to be the Lord of our life so that next time we go through a wilderness experience you will learn to praise him in the bad times if you don't learn to praise him in the bad times and obey him in the bad times and trust him in the bad times let me tell you something god is infinitely kind he is infinitely patient he is infinitely merciful he is infinitely good he is infinitely got more time than you do so he's happy to wait and be kind again and again and give you a million chances the the reality check some of us need to know today is this. You do not have an infinite amount of time. Your clock is ticking and I don't want to have the power to shorten my wilderness because I cannot do that. But I don't want my stubbornness to lengthen my wilderness. But today in the name of Jesus the grace of God comes to set some of us free from stagnation where you are wrestling with God and your heart will not yield. Your heart will not submit. Your heart will not obey God because you don't trust that he is good but he is whispering to you I am better than you think I am only good all my intentions towards you are for good all my intentions towards you are never for evil but there is something in you saying yeah but if you are good why did you lead me to the wilderness yeah if you are good why did I have to search three days for water and still not find it yeah if you are good why did you let me put bitter water in my mouth now I've got the memory of what it tastes like and why did you allow all of that all of those questions my friends don't have answers but they point to a deeper problem and that problem is this at the core of your heart you are not convinced that God is good and only good and always good and he wants to be good to you the Bible says this Paul was writing to a church in Rome and he said this if my God who did not withhold his son but gave himself up will he not also give you everything else today beacon church let this be the day when your hearts are bowed in reverence as a bow in reverence, where your knees bow in reverence, where your lives bow in reverence to say, God, I am so sorry for making it all about the promised land. It was always about you. It was always about your word. It was always about trusting you. It was always about you being the center of my life. It was always you being the Lord of my heart. And all this noise has distracted me from thinking, Lord, it's not been about you. But today, come Holy Spirit, be the Lord of my heart. Be the King of my intentions. Be the overruler of my emotions. Be something to me that I don't have the strength to be. I want to worship you with fists raised in defiance in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the drought. I don't want to be one version of Christian when you show off in power. But when I enter a bad day, I don't want to be another version of Christian. I want to be the type of Christian. I want to be the type of Christ follower that praises you in the morning and the evening when I feel like it and don't feel like it. When I value your word on a good day and I want to value your word on a day that I don't understand and some of you here today need to let go of the questions for which you will not have answers and throw your hands up because the antidote you are looking for is not an answer the antidote you are looking for is reckless surrendered worship to say God I don't understand and I don't want to understand but here's my worship here's my thanksgiving here's my bended knee here's my surrendered heart here's my confession and my declaration that Jesus 
Jesus Christ is King and I will have no other Lord in my life. Today, the Holy Spirit quickens your heart to crown Him the Lord of all. He is 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 the Lord of Mara. And he's the Lord of Shore. And he's the Lord of the Red Sea. And he's the Lord of Egypt. And he's the Lord of my pain. And he's the Lord of my surrender. He is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. And the last thing God says to him. I want you to know this. I want you to know that I am the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. Exodus 15 says, there the Lord tested them and said, I want to put this as a statue and as a rule. In the Bible, every time you read the word statue, it basically means you, you can carve this in stone and it's going to stay there for thousands of years. I want you to know this. I'm not the one that brings sickness to you. He says, because I am the Lord that heals you. I'm not the one that brings sickness to you. Because I am the Lord that heals you. Jazz, is this your water? Or is that yours for? Yours? Jazz, come up on screen. Come on stage here and take a small drink. I want you to imagine Jazz is really thirsty. She's found some water. You are really thirsty. Sorry, I stole your water. (laughs) Have a drink. Right. Do you think that what Jazz just did, she had a drink of water from this bottle. Do you think that was hydrating her body or dehydrating her body? It's not rocket science. Like, simple question. It was hydrating her body. So this cannot have the power of dehydration because its purpose is hydration. Because it's impossible for something that's pure, Nestle Pure Life, by the way. Um, I'm not getting any commissions for Nestle, by the way. I'm not promoting this brand of water. It just so happened to be the brand of water that Jazz was drinking to. Oh, look at this. It says, Pure Life Begins Now. It actually says that on there. Your life begins now. Because this has the power to hydrate, it does not have the power to dehydrate. And God says, because I am the Lord that heals you, then I cannot be the Lord that brings you diseases too. Because I'm either one or the other. I want you to know, I am the Lord that heals you. I will never bring illness upon you because I am the Lord that heals you. Let me ask you a question. If something as simple, thanks Jazz, as pure and as delicate, and please hear me when I say this, something as common as water cannot contradict its own purpose. How much more? The God that created water in the first place says, I'll never make you sick because my nature is that I only bring healing. I only bring healing. 
See, the most important lesson they had to learn in, in the wilderness. They had to learn about his nature. I'm the Lord that heals you. I'm the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. This morning, the Holy Spirit wants to heal some sick bodies in this room today. He wants to heal some mental infirmities this morning. And that is going to happen in a moment. But I want you to recognize that the nature of God cannot contradict himself. Come on. If water cannot hydrate and dehydrate at the same time, you think God can? He's way more pure than Nestle Pure Life, isn't he? He's way more pure than Nestle Pure Life, isn't he? I mean, I suppose if we were to take that bit of water, sorry, Jazz, and put it under the microscope, you might find a bacteria or two. Or maybe not. I was just kidding. But you know what I'm saying. If Nestle Pure Life is pure, how pure is God? If water is good, how good is God? If food is good, how good is God? He does not have the nature within himself to contradict himself. So I want you to know, write this as a statue in Israel forever. I am God that heals you. I am the Lord 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 that heals you. Where do you need healing this morning? Some of you are in the wilderness right now. And you can you have come this morning to a safe place. You have come this morning to a place where you can drop your mask and say, God, I receive who you are. You are a good God. And thank you so much that as I'm cost as I'm walking through this wilderness experience of mine, where I've just been going through such a bad time, I know that you're a good God. Do you want to know something funny? Well, when I first saw it, it wasn't funny. But, you know, I now think it's funny. Have you ever gone through something that wasn't funny and then you look back and now you can laugh at it? The Bible says as soon as they learned this lesson, the Bible says they came to Elim where there was 12 springs. 12 springs were just around the corner. 12 springs were just around the corner. And God could have told them, hey, don't go around in circles in shore. There is no water here. Forget about Mara. If you just keep going for another 10 kilometers, which in those days when you're walking by foot for days, it was not a long distance. There's 12 springs in Elim. The Bible says they immediately came to Elim where there were 12 springs. You know what? Some of us are waiting for a miracle for God to go BAM! And there's nothing wrong in that. But you know what's more important than a miracle? Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. He wants you to be, he wants himself to be Lord of your heart. And some of you are like me, are throwing temper tantrums. I just want to go to Elim. I just want to go to Elim. Elim is just around the corner. Why can't you just take me to Elim? Why can't you just take, and God all along is saying, hey, do you notice that piece of stick? Stop talking about the stick. You told me this last year. Oh, has it been a year now? I wonder why it's been that so long. Don't talk. Don't keep talking to me about a stick. You told me this five years ago. Has it been five years since he's been talking to you about the stick? I wonder why it's been five years. Why is he still repeating the same thing you heard five years ago? 
because you want to get to Elim. But God's looking at your heart while you're in Maran, saying, I wonder if I can be Lord of your life. I wonder if I can be the king of your marriage. I wonder if I can be first in your money. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that we bring to God our first fruits, our first and our best. We try and pay the mortgage and we try and pay the rent and we try and pay all of our our food and what we like and what we don't like. And you and I know how much food we waste and throw in the bin. You know those vegetables that you buy and chuck right deep into the vegetable uh, at the bottom thinking, this week I'm going to be healthy. And so you buy loads of salads and uh, two days later you're chucking that same salad in the bin. And by the end of the month you're like, oh yeah, I need to tithe. Oh yeah. Yeah, next month, Lord, I'll do it. Can he be first? Or is he he last? Can he be Lord of your life? Or is he a convenience you have accommodated as part of your weekly equation of saying, oh yeah, oh oh yeah, it's Sunday morning, I need to go to church, of course. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your first fruits, the first of all of your produce, and then your barns will be full and overflowing. He's not doing it because he's a bad God, and he's not doing it because he's a miserable God. He is doing it because he wants to bless you, but he is testing the condition of your heart. And today there is a test that the Holy Spirit is saying, and I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit has got boundless power for all of us to pass that test. And if you think, man, I'm not going to pass that test, that's the first thing that needs to be rectified, because you're again going Going back into a Mara mentality saying, oh, I don't think there's going to be water here. Hey, all of the boundless power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And you are able to do everything that he tells you to do. Because obedience doesn't come from our own strength. It comes by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is here to empower us to walk in his paths. And one of these days, we will look back and say, it was good for me to go through what I went through. Because Jesus is now the king of my life. I am moving in purpose. Things that would have never been healed are healed now. I am on the other side of my wilderness and I can still raise my fist in defiance and say, on a good day I will praise Him and on a bad day I will praise Him. On a good day I will serve Him and on a bad day I will serve Him even more because I'm going to prove to the devil and my flesh that God is not an emotion that has to be accommodated on the basis of my feelings. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is Lord of of all. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's not just the Lord of Sundays, but He's your Lord on a Monday. He's your Lord on a Tuesday. He's your Lord at work. He's your Lord in your parenting. He's your Lord in your business decisions. He's your Lord in how you manage your time and your energy and your emotions. And today, we have the privilege and the absolute awesome opportunity to bow our knees, to raise our hands and say, Lord, we honor you and we hail you as King. You are Lord of our lives. You are the Lord of our lives. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment of concentration and privacy? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will not walk through seasons where we're wondering, what on earth am I doing here? But that Lord, you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. Obedience is impossible, Lord, without your Spirit. So quicken us by your spirit, we pray. Quicken us by your spirit, we pray. We yield today. We surrender today. We trust you today. We thank you today.
because you are Lord of all. 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 I'm going to lead you some simple prayers. Number one, we're going to take a moment just to bow the knees in our heart, to surrender, to yield. I'm not saying you need to physically get on the floor, just a posture in your heart of saying, God, I repent. I'm so sorry for putting all of these things first. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Why don't you do that right now? If you don't know how to pray, I can lead you in a simple prayer and you can repeat after me or you can use your own words. If you need help, you just say, Jesus, I surrender. I yield and I trust. Amen. Why don't some of you need to ask God to give you back your posture of fists raised in defiance because you've lost a bit of the spring in your step. You've lost a bit of the shine in your armor. You've lost a bit of the smile on your face. Come on. Take it back. Ask for it back. Say, God, help me to get it back. Help me to have it back. Help me to serve you wholeheartedly. Father, today in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will release a spirit of reverence, spirit, a spirit of worship, a spirit of, of surrendering to you wholeheartedly and completely. of Jesus the last prayer I want to pray is for the people who are saying one or more of the following things apply to me one I want to hear the voice of God afresh two I want God to heal the bitter areas of my life three I want sweetness to come out of everything that's bitter in my life. Four, I want purpose and potential that's currently lying dormant to be activated. Five, I want to obey your instructions quickly. Six, I want to stop doubting your goodness. Seven, I want to know your nature, your character. I want to know you as the Lord that heals me instead of knowing you as the Lord that brings me into trouble. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. Wherever you are, lift your hands as I pronounce these things as a blessing over your life. I believe I have the authority to declare it. And if you have the faith to receive it, something is about to break forth in your life in a way that you have never experienced before. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare... That we will know your nature. We will know your character. We will stop questioning your goodness in our lives.